I always say a mistake is only a mistake if you do it twice. I think the key to success is if you take the mistake and you learn from it and you apply the learning and you do it differently in the future. And that's something that I also convey to the team. It's okay to experiment and test and fail as long as we learn from that and apply the learning. But uh, certainly I have had my fair share of learnings. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of a Life of Climb podcast. I'm your host, Sam Reese. Joining me today is Matthias Illenfeld, CEO of Womb, a globally acclaimed kids' bicycle company. Matthias, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Sam, for having me on your podcast. I feel very honored, and I appreciate your invitation today. I'm really looking forward to the uh, discussion here, and I, I just want to start with your titles. You're founder, you're CEO, but on your LinkedIn, you're listed as Chief Wombster. So tell us a little bit more about how you would describe your chief Woomster role. Well, thank you for pointing that out. You know, we at Woom, um, you know, the term Woomster came fairly organic even in the early days. You know, our company is named Woom. And uh, when we started Womb, we, we had a small little Facebook group to communicate and we called it the Womster Group. And ever since then, that term kind of resonated with us. Woomster is pretty much uh, a Womb team member that shares our our purpose and mission of inspiring children to fall in love with cycling and to make the world a better place. And that's really what, what resonates with me. It's not about me calling myself CEO or, or, or calling us chief executive officer. We're all in this together. I'm here to serve the team, right? Our Woomsters. And, and so when we coined the term chief Woomsters, uh, a couple of years ago that uh, that resonated well with us and it resonated well with our group uh, and our team members because I think it's it's something that incorporates our also our playfulness a little bit because we are in the business of of selling smiles so to speak to parents and children uh, you know all over the world and, and and sometimes yes we take our business seriously but at the same time we also want to have a, a fun and, and enjoy doing it. I want to talk at the beginning with you. You've got this classic startup story, company founded in a garage, UBN and IBM and SAP consultant. How you made this change is really interesting, but just kind of take me through the journey of the garage in Vienna, Austria, to where you now are now in Austin, Texas. And there must have like just been a, a couple of really big decisions being an, an IT expert suddenly turning into a bike enthusiasts. How did this all happen? I think it's really a, a fantastic story. Originally, I, I back up a little bit. I grew up in Germany. You know, I stayed there until high school. And then I literally came to the United States with a toothbrush and two tennis records. Right. I was a tennis player growing up competitively and I played college tennis here in the United States. It never occurred to me that I would become a CEO of a consumer products company. And that actually, frankly, was never really my goal to, to become a CEO. But I was, I was lucky and I was fortunate. In 2013, my brother Marcus, he's my older brother, he lived in Vienna. And he and Christian Betzdecker, um, his business partner, started Woom in a small little garage in Vienna. And uh, that was literally 10 years ago. So we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year. Congrats. They literally put together, they had a dream, they had an idea. They want to really uh, reinvigorate the kid's bike. And uh, they both sat down and uh, developed and designed a lineup of revolutionary kid's bikes. They built them in their garage. And one of the first bikes that they put together 
It was a red womb one. It's like a small little balance spike. They uh, sent to me in Austin, Texas. Actually, my dad uh, took it with him. He delivered it in person as a birthday present for my son, Luca. As soon as I saw the bike and as soon as I saw Luca riding on the bike and experiencing the joy, I knew it was going to be something special. And a few months later, my son was riding through the neighborhood and my neighbor saw the bike, him riding the bike and then how much fun he had. And my neighbor asked him, where'd you get this bike? Like, Millie, she wants to have, uh, she most likely wants to have a bike like this too. And I said, yeah, I can get you a bike. Let me make a phone call. So I called my brother and I said, I need, I, I, I'd like to have a bike for my neighbor. He's, and he sent me a bike. And so I sold my first bike to my neighbor. And uh, that's when it, the, the, the wheels start, start rolling a little bit. They started the online business in Europe and they were immediately uh, very successful with selling the bikes to market. And I said, you know, look, let's try this in the US. And so in 2014, while I was working on my consulting practice, I started the Womb US business and um, I treated it as a, as a pilot. And I was kind of doing both jobs at the same time, right? I was, you know, doing my consultant business. I was traveling all over the place. And then at the same time, I was uh, also you know, renting a small little garage. I was maintaining the website. I was taking customer calls. I was emailing, I was shipping bikes. I was assembling bikes, you know, at night over the weekends and slowly but surely building the business. And that's kind of how it all got started. You had this vision for womb besides the vision, or I guess maybe in addition to the vision, what is it that had you guys believe in you could actually go win in this crowded market? Bikes have been around for a long time, incredibly strong companies. What was it that was going to carve your niche? Yeah, I think, I think the industry, you know, the bike has been around since the early, you know, since 1817, pretty much. And even balance bikes were around earlier than that in terms of what's available on the market. And, and I think you're right, the industry has been well established and the industry uh, has been around quite a long time. When you're looking at that specific space, bikes for children, it has always been served, but it has never received the attention and the attention to detail that children really need for, for their success. And because the conventional thinking is that the parent may not want to spend as much money on the bike. You don't have much um, focus and investment in the bike, and you also don't have good quality and materials and components on the bike. And so what ends up happening is the industry is constrained. They're thinking, well, we can't really spend so many resources on the bike. We can't put really lightweight materials on there. We can't design specific components for it. That's the big challenge. So we took a gamble. We had an idea, and the idea was that we are going to design and develop bikes specifically for the needs and the requirements of children. So for example, the grips are not adult grips, they're kids that we specifically designed for children. The brakes are specifically designed for the size of the hands, the cranks as well. It's all a tremendous attention to detail to really allow that four-year-old to be successful. Because if you don't set up your child for success, and that happens with many of the bikes that are out there, then, then your child may not fall in love with cycling. They may not want to spend time outside and they may not want, they may not gather the memories and experiences that they would otherwise uh, do. Let's talk a little bit about weight, right? I mean, weight of a bike, you know, to, to the listener, it may not mean much, right? It's like, why is the weight of the bike important? Well, you know, if you're talking about a four-year-old, right? On average, 
that four-year-old is weighs 35 pounds, right? If you go to Walmart right now or Target or whatever else and you buy a bike, you pay $120 and that bike weighs, let's say, 30 pounds. That is 80% 80, 80 of the weight of the child, <laughs> right? Yeah. How much fun yeah. am I going to have with a bike that weighs 150 pounds? That's the same position we're putting that four-year-old in. We are going to ask them to operate and have fun on a bike that is extremely heavy, clunky, and not well-designed. So we design a bike that weighs 11 pounds. It's the world's lightest bike. Why do we do it? Because we're using aluminum. We designed the product to make it extremely lightweight, but we also give them the opportunity to succeed because the componentry that we have on the bike allows them to learn to ride more easily. All that magic we put together allows that child to be successful and to want to be on the bike and to fall in love with cycling. And uh, and that's something that's, uh, you know, with words, sometimes it's difficult to explain, but when you see it in action, when you see it, um, when you see it on the website and, and when you see kids in the park, you notice they ride warm. And when you see children who don't ride warm, you also notice that. And that is kind of spreads like wildfire. And that's what really fueled our success because we are here to support parents in their adventure of, you know, parenting and making sure that their child is successful. And, you know, Sam, we asked this question. You remember most likely, you remember the first time you rode a bike, right? Of course. Yeah. And I remember teaching all three of my boys to ride a bike. Absolutely. It's a very emotional experience, right? And, uh, oh, yes, and then, yes. And that's what our customers experience. And this is why we don't call them customers. They're really fans of Womb. It's a community of of Womb customers that actually get it. That's what inspires us as Wombsters to really uh, continue to, to really put all of our efforts in because we know we can make a difference in this world by inspiring these children to fall in love with cycling. I'm excited to dig a little bit deeper there, but first, a quick break. This episode of A Life of Climb podcast is brought to you by Vistage, the world's largest executive coaching and peer advisory organization. As a CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business, you've got the weight of the world on you. But what if you didn't have to go it alone? What if you could journey with an experienced guide and an elite team of peers who've got your back? With that kind of support, how high could you climb? Vistage has been helping leaders reach new heights for more than 60 years. It's a proven time-honored approach that can help you too. Learn more about Vistage and discover more leadership resources at vistage.com. And now back to our episode. What was hard about America? When you brought the bikes here, was there any challenges that were sort of unforeseen as you brought the business to America that you hadn't thought about that made it more difficult with this market? Or were you able to just transplant the Austrian model over here? I was a little bit naive at first, right? I, I thought, uh, you know, I got a great lineup of products, the best products on the market, bar none. I mean, there's no, there was no comparison early on. I also have a fantastic brand. I have great customer experience and I'm, I'm going to go conquer this market. I, I just have to tell people. And, and then I think I noticed that, you know, getting the word out, particularly to a target market that's also very busy, right? I mean, parents nowadays, you know, mm. they have a lot going on. And then, so I definitely underestimated that, but I quickly recognized how I could could make a difference. So first of all, I needed to be in front of 
in front of the parents that buy our products, right? And so I knew that I had to spend a lot of, lot of effort in, in doing grassroots to really bring the bike to them, have them test it and experience it and, and make it different. So just getting the word out there that way. But that was not really scalable, right? And, and so the second piece I did, which was really a game changer for me, is I had to work with influential reviewers of products um, that would review products, write reviews and rank our products. And, and that's what I did early on in 2015. I worked with key product uh, reviewers um, that were experts in the field and we ended up being top bike in every category. And when you type into Google best kids bike or best bike for my child, then then these these sites would pop up and then you read the review and that immediately gives you some credibility because the parents want to do some research before they buy the product. Building that trust to third party review is it was something that's extremely helpful. I mean, you just have some eye-popping numbers when you look at the growth of the business. I mean, just congrats on all the accolades you've had with Inc. 5000. I mean, you see crazy numbers, 742% growth. How did you navigate that whole COVID issue with supply chain problems, the fact that you're sort of building bikes on demand and now you couldn't get the materials you wanted? What was your leadership strategy through COVID that helped your company continue to thrive? It brings back uh, good and bad times, I guess. Uh, our sales goals were already very strong, 50% year-over-year growth. We were good in a good position. I do remember, actually, it was one of the Vistage meetings with, with Dick Sanger. I could not pay attention in that meeting because uh, that day I got news that the border was closed uh, from our supplier, that the port of Houston was shut down. So clearly there was a lot of stress as it, as it came to supply chain. Around May or so, we recognized that there's going to be a tremendous uh, demand for, for bikes. Those were the first signs like that parents were stuck at home and they were looking for bikes. And, and that's where we had to really pivot quite a bit because back then we were still in stock. But qu quickly we were sold out and we were then having to work with our suppliers to, to get the products that we needed. And you're right, um, that was a very challenging time because it moved from an in-stock selling process to a pre-order process. And now we knew that customers wanted to buy our bikes, but uh, we needed to switch over and make sure that we were able to create a good pre-order waitlist approach. At one point we had 45,000 customers on our wait list. This is what I'm extremely proud of is like my team was able to pivot really quickly and nicely and really making sure that we're taking care of our customer and making sure that we service them. There were some companies that were taking advantage of the situation. Um, I was very adamant about, you know, we're keeping the prices as they are, even though some of our costs increase like inbound logistics, but inevitably, COVID had um, had a good impact in terms of getting the visibility of parents of being active and being outside. But at the same time, it definitely created a huge disruption in the supply chain uh, and in the industry. And it was certainly it certainly had a good times and a bad time. But but we are almost back to normal now. I'm really glad that we managed it the way that we did. Is there something when you look back, you say you wish you would have changed in this leadership journey or something you wish you would have seen earlier? 
I think one of the things that I that early on I was I was doing a lot on myself. I was doing a lot lot on my own, and because um, I I thought I can, and um, and it was it was a lot of energy and, and a lot of effort that was required. I think finding finding the right team members, finding the right partners to to join you in in the journey has been always very important for me. So I think. I think I probably could have avoided quite a few mistakes had I surrounded myself sooner with with maybe the right coaches or with the right people. Um, I think that was that would have been kind of helpful. I think because I think I did make a lot of mistakes, and part of it is experience. And I I didn't have uh, experience running a business, so there's a lot of stuff that I had to learn. Uh, you know, day one that I didn't have experience with. I, I, you know, I think that when I joined Vistage, for example, I think uh, I, I learned a lot about different tools that, that are available to me. Things like that, I didn't know, I wasn't aware of. And uh, those kind of tools I have acquired throughout the years. But had I have those available early on, then, then I think I probably would have, would have been a lot smarter um, in, in managing and leading my team. Obviously, now I've had the experience. I've had this uh, this journey and this learning. I always say a mistake is only a mistake if you do it twice. As far as guidance for the listener is concerned, I mean, don't be too hard on yourself. I mean, you are going to make mistakes. I think the key to success is if you take the mistake and you you learn from it and you apply the learning and you do it differently in the future. And um, and I think that's that's something that I also convey to the team. It's okay to experiment and test and fail um, as long as we learn from that and apply the learning. But uh, certainly have had my fair share of learnings. <laughs> you mentioned something earlier that really hit me because you talked about how you sort of have to manage your own stress level. And I'm, I just wonder, as you think about the future, how do you, how do you manage your leadership journey so you can continue to enjoy this ride? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. You have to have the self-awareness and the understanding of what, what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, what my strengths and weaknesses are. And so I think, to me, it's very clear that um, that I know that I'm kind of like also reaching reaching a little bit of my limits right now. Um, and so you do have to find the right boundaries um, for myself. And I think that's that's a process. And you can't do it on your own. You have to have coaches or coach, you know, a coach with you that helps you process that as well. And I think it is a journey because I think it's a fine balance between pushing yourself and taking that opportunity and learning and growing and to to really like level up to that to where you need to be. At the, at the same time, you also need to be aware that, you know, you have certain limitations that maybe somebody else um, you can bring in to support you with, uh, with that because it, it may be something that they really excel at. Let me ask you one final question here. I just wondered if you were to have one of these entrepreneurs pull you aside and say, give me the top principles for being a good leader and scaling a business. How would you describe those? Bring in the right support and build the right level of trust uh, within your team and trust them to execute what needs to be done. That's really part of the learning that I had throughout the years. If and when I bring in the right leader and they can understand and distill from me what needs to be done, it's a beautiful combination because it creates this bi-directional trust and I don't have to be in the details. You know, that, that, that leader gets what, what needs to be done and they do it you know, in accordance to our, our values. 
and and it can only be done with trust uh, through trust and also having the transparency and, and and having candid conversations around it right i think that's the biggest and best relationships i have is when we start off day one with complete transparency okay this is working this isn't working and these are the facts, you know, and, and, and let's start off and be completely honest around it and give each other feedback and, and, and make sure that we're going in the right direction. Thank you again, Matthias, for joining us on this episode. It was fantastic to get your insights and um, what a great success story you certainly are and love how much you, you always talk about your team. Great learnings today. Thank you so much, Sam, for having me on your podcast. I appreciate it. I also had a blast. And uh, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this edition of A Life of Climb podcast. Friendly reminder to please subscribe or follow the podcast to get all the latest episodes. And please visit vistage.com slash podcast for more resources to support you on your leadership journey.